A consistent body care routine is a really important part of my self-care. I feel so much better when my skin is looking and feeling good. It's such a small thing that has a big impact on your overall day for your well-being. A consistent body care routine doesn't just promote healthy, glowing skin. It actually boosts our mental health, too. So give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven seaweed-infused skincare that provides results you can see and confidence that you can feel. Osea's Andaria Algae Body Butter is not your typical body butter. It transforms dry, crepey skin to smooth, soft, and supple skin, and it's my absolute favorite. I use Osea's products religiously, and I have been for years. It really is the best out there. One of the best parts about the body butter is that it's non-greasy. I hate putting on body lotion and feeling slippery and sticky all day, but Osea's body butter absorbs right into your skin, leaving you feeling hydrated and ready to make the best of whatever is next on your agenda. And it's been shown to hydrate you for 72 hours after applying. Skin care is self-care, so this is a habit worth keeping all year round. With Osea, you will get clean, seaweed-infused products from a company with over 27 years of experience, making sure they are the safest for your skin and the planet. All of Osea's products are vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out with clean skin and body care from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with the code YOGA at OseaMalibu.com. You'll get free samples with every order and free shipping on orders over $60. Head to OseaMalibu.com and use the code YOGA for 10% off. The holiday season is here. One of my favorite things about this time of year is the food. I love baking traditional Swedish dishes, but I also love the challenge of getting creative in the kitchen. That's where Bon Appetit comes in. Packed with recipes and trends from all around the globe, how-to videos and mouth-watering photos, Bon Appetit is not only an indispensable resource for cooks at all levels, but it's also the perfect gift for people who love food. Right now, Bon Appetit has an exclusive offer for From the Heart listeners and just in time for our holiday shopping. The regular price for Bon Appetit is $15 for a one-year subscription. But for a limited time, you can save $5 on a one-year subscription plus get an exclusive Bon Appetit Don't Worry, Eat Happy tote bag. It's a gift that keeps on giving for yourself and your loved ones. Well, there's more. Do you have a sweet tooth like me? Yep, we're talking chocolate. The Bon Appetit box offer includes a one-year subscription plus a special Bon Appetit gift box packed with goodies like delicious Guitard chocolate, an exclusive chocolate chip toffee recipe from the Bon Appetit kitchen, and a Jacques Pépin spatula, all easily gifted in the included Don't Worry, Eat Happy tote. Check the foodies off of your list, yourself included, with a Bon Appetit subscription today. Use the promo code YOGA for a special discount and start shopping right now at bonappetit.com slash getBA. That's bonappetit.com slash getBA. Promo code YOGA. Bonappetit.com slash BA. Promo code YOGA. Hi, and welcome to another episode of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. I am beyond excited to introduce to you someone that has been a major inspiration in my own life for a lot of years, and that I'm so happy to have as a guest on the show, Ella Mills, otherwise known as Deliciously Ella. Ella is an award-winning author, plant-based entrepreneur, and the creator of the insanely popular blog deliciouslyella.com that has had over 130 million hits in the past years. Her first book, the most purchased debut cookbook ever in the UK and a New York Times bestseller, came out in 2015, and she has since released three more best-selling books, opened a line of delis, created a number one rated app, created a line of beauty products, and launched three food product lines that are stocked in over 5,000 stores. Holy shit. It's safe to say this girl is a superstar manifester. I'm so excited to have you on the show. Welcome to the show, Ella. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so happy to be here. I've been a, a fan for a long time of yours. So I'm um, oh. honored, honored to be here. Oh my God, your resume is just insane. <laughs> Does it's it been feel a really crazy couple of years. Oh my God, how have you fit this in in such a short time? Like I'm just reading it now, it's, it's crazy. I have no idea, honestly. <laughs> so much has happened so, so fast. I mean, do you remember we met like, a, I don't know what year that was. Feels like a really long time ago. We met yeah, in... Yeah, it feels um, like such a long time ago. Uh, it was in it London, it was for a shoot. Ago. Right, I mean, it must have been... 
I don't know, 2013 maybe? Yeah, it must be like, yeah, about three years ago, exactly. And you were just finishing up and I was about to do mine. We oh, kind of so crazy. And it was for that weird shoot for the, for the Daily Mail, exactly. I remember. And we had very, very strange <laughs> hair and makeup. I looked like I was about <laughs> 17 in the final picture. It was the weirdest thing ever, ever. I had to, I had to wear like a pencil skirt businesswoman type outfit. Yeah, it was, it was, was very... Same. And mine was all floral. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember looking at you and I was like, oh my God, we do not fit in here. <laughs> Like, we're no, so that awkward was before here. I, I was comfortable enough to say, ah, oh, that is not me. I will not do that. Yeah, me too. I was like, okay, I'll go along with this. But no, that was definitely not it. But I'm so excited to have you on. And it's such an interesting time um, in my own life too, because I am since one month or a month and a week now, uh, back to being 100% plant-based, which is a huge thing for me. So it's having you on the show right the now is perfect. To do that? I had a guy named James Aspie on the podcast a couple of weeks ago. Have you ever heard of him? It rings the bell. Yeah, definitely. I've got to listen to that episode. Yeah, so he's a vegan activist, but really in it for the, the ethical reasons and for the animals. And it's all about like core values and how you live life um, aligned you know, with, with love and kindness and how eating animal products doesn't really go with that. And also, I think now that I'm breastfeeding, it's just it clicked for the first time that when I'm eating cheese or eating ice cream, you know, like a baby has to be taken away from its mom for that to happen. And I, I just managed to totally ignore that major fact about how dairy is produced. <laughs> so, Right, of course. I, and I guess, yeah, having your own baby, I'm sure that makes that, that resonates even more. Oh, God, it connected so deep. No, so I'm so excited to have you on. And I know there's a bunch of people that have gone vegan since, uh, since a couple of weeks back with me. So that are also really, really excited to get into the, uh, the funner side of things. So when it comes to actually preparing exciting foods and, uh, and your awesome breakfast, and I had so many questions already pouring in through social media. But for anyone who's listening, who maybe isn't uh, already following you on social media or hasn't read your book, uh, I would love to kind of start from the beginning because you have such an interesting story. Okay. Um, okay, well, the beginning, it's so long, so I'm going to try and keep it short enough that I don't Yeah, let's I maybe start everyone. like, yeah, 2011-ish, I'm thinking there, be right before yeah. the beginning of the blog. Yeah, don't worry, I won't <laughs> give you my whole, my whole life history, but yeah, so 2011, I was a student, I was studying in Scotland, and it was the end of my second year there, and out of nowhere, really, I got very unwell, and I spent about four or five months in and out of different hospitals in London, having so many different tests. And at the end of that, I was diagnosed with something called postural tachycardia syndrome, which is almost impossible to say, even harder to write. And it's basically a condition that affects your autonomic nervous system. And so I was struggling to control my heart rate and my blood pressure. Um, so when I would sit down, my heart rate would be normal. And then I would stand up and within a couple of seconds, it would be 180, 190. My blood pressure would go down and I would obviously as a result be unbelievably dizzy, black out. Um, and I also had at the same time very bad chronic fatigue, tons of digestive problems. I looked like I was nine months pregnant permanently for the best part of two, three years. And um, I also had complications with infections. I had a bladder infection nonstop for almost two and a half, three years. I was on antibiotics every single day. I had to do antibiotic drips. And there were all kinds of other things. And it was honestly absolutely miserable. And I Do they know what brought this on? Did you ever get No, they don't really know. No, and I'd gone from kind of being completely normal to not really being able to do anything almost overnight, it felt like. And I basically, and I was so kind of confused and overwhelmed by everything, and I didn't really know how to deal with it. And so I kind of just shut myself away from, from the world. I didn't really want to open up about it. I tried opening up to one or two people. I didn't get kind of the best response and that sort of put me off and made me feel like there was definitely something wrong with me. And so I honestly just sat in bed and watched the Kardashians for a year. (laughs) And my whole life just disappeared into reality TV and um, eating all the pick and mix and the candy I could find. And it wasn't, you know, I really wasn't addressing it. I didn't want to deal with it. I was really embarrassed about it and I would just, 
I cried nonstop. And then I hit a real rock bottom um, and I realized that, you know, obviously the way that I was living my life wasn't enjoyable for me. But at this point, like, I didn't really care, kind of lost all sense of self-care. But I, I did realize how much it was affecting the few people that I still felt very connected to, especially my mom. And she had done everything for me and she was unbelievable and you know, she always said, and I'm, I'm sure you feel that, you're always as happy as your least happy child. And I was anything but happy. And I think it really was bringing her down as well. And so from that, I was really convinced that I did have to make some kind of change and I, I had to help myself in some way. And so I started looking at what else I could do. And I researched online, obviously, because everyone turns to Google at point of desperation. And I came across all these people who'd had all kinds of issues and they were managing various symptoms with the support of lifestyle and diet and nutrition. And I I thought that was so interesting. And to be completely honest, not something that I really wanted to connect with before, I guess a little bit about what you're like what you're saying, Rachel, about about being vegan. And I've kind of just ignored it all and I thought, Okay, well, I'm not a massive gummy bear, so you know <laughs> I'm I can't be what I eat and but I really started to connect with that idea of the impact it could have. But I couldn't cook and I didn't really know what healthy food was. Healthy food to me always seemed like rabbit food, kind of grated carrot and cucumber or diet food and I wasn't interested in either of those. Um and so I thought I should learn to cook and try and make this plant-based food, putting plants in the center of my plate, something that was interesting and exciting, but also something that would give me a hobby and a purpose and a passion that wasn't just watching the Kardashians and Grey's Anatomy. And um, and so I started writing it as a blog on um, on deliciousyellow.com, and that's that's really how everything came about. Do you remember what your first uh, your first post was, or your first food-related kind of attempt? So one of the first ones, which was one of the ones that I was most excited about, was that I was really, I was a bit, I always still do have like a big sweet tooth. And I was a kind of Haribo addict at that point. And I was really, really struggling coming away from refined sugars. And a friend of mine said, oh, you should try dates. Um, amazing. And I kind of looked at them and they're like brown, squidgy blurs. <laughs> and so I was very, very kind of put off by that but um, I was trying to be open-minded so I tried one and absolutely loved it it was so sweet and gooey and delicious and um, absolutely loved it and then um, so I started eating those and then I started dipping them into almond butter and I was like this is really good and I thought what happens if we blend that all up together because I was really missing chocolate so I was dipping the date in almond butter into cacao but the powder and the powder wasn't it was quite kind of chalky about so I thought okay well we'll blend these all up together and I think we could do something delicious so I went out and I bought my first food processor and I was so excited about it because I was going to do this blend and I got it home and so I blended up my dates and my almonds and my almond butter and cacao powder and I put it all in the fridge because it was so gooey and I was like I probably need to sit for a minute and my boyfriend at the time then came over and I was like oh my god you have to try these I think I've cracked it I'm going to be able to do this healthy thing now these are so good they're going to be so good but I'd only tried a really small bit of the mixture so I then gave him like a massive chunk like a proper brownie size and he bit into it and he spat the whole thing out and like started kind of like putting his hands in his mouth like picking bits out and I was like <laughs> oh my god what have I done and I hadn't taken the plastic off the blade and so I made this like raw brownie, gooey date almond mix, and it was just filled with chunks of bla- plastic, right? Oh um, so that was that was not that successful. But I then remade them, and they were really yummy, and they've been really popular since. <laughs> I love that. I mean, it's really a trial and error thing, and I. I really love how you just started from from scratch. You know, did you have any friends that totally. were able to kind of? Did you have any friends that could inspire you or that you could, you know, talk about this way? Did you have any people that you know in your family that were into this at all, or were you just really alone trying stuff out so in the my kitchen? My family, 
uh, at point one, thought I was insane because I was not, I was the least healthy eater by a mile in the family. And I was the first, I I would never, ever, ever have ordered a kind of salad-based meal in my life. And so it was like, I'm going to be plant-based. I'm going to live off vegetables. I'm going to be so healthy. My mom was like, what are you going to eat? You hate that food. (laughs) Um, But she was so, so supportive. And she did the whole thing with me when I was at home and I was cooking, she would eat every single thing that I tried. And I'm sure some of it was disgusting and completely inedible, but she was so open-minded to it all. And was the first person to try the sweet potato brownies and all kinds of kind of funky concoctions. And she was amazing and so enthusiastic. And I, and forever grateful for that. And then I had one girlfriend who was Canadian and her mom had um, growing up been really into healthy living and kind of quite an outdoorsy lifestyle, kind of quite more kind of Californian inspired than it felt up in Scotland at that point. And so she um, bought me a spiralizer and mm. was like, oh, you can make spaghetti with um, courgettes. And that was a kind of interesting revolutionary moment as well. So those were two people that kind of initially were supportive when everyone else thought I was mad. When everyone else thought you were mad. I have my own cooking fail, actually, with one of your recipes, the one that you just mentioned, the sweet potato brownie. Because when I, oh, yeah. I, I got your we first... a new and improved version of those. Oh, you have a new and improved, but I, I, I forked up the the original version because I made them and they looked so delicious in the book, and I, and then I had my husband Dennis was just kind of looking at me like this is you're gonna make brownies with potato like I'm I don't want to be a part of this at all, and then I did everything and I forgot to add the chocolate like I forgot to add the cacao, oh, so no. somehow <laughs> that I is basically a really just... component I feel. <laughs> It was basically like just sweet potato, like in a pan. It was just, and I couldn't figure it out. And then I was like, oh. <laughs> so yeah, yeah I'm, I'm going to have to try. Thing. <laughs> I know the brain farts. <laughs> it happens. But how long did it take you? Because this was one of the questions I got a lot through social media, because there are so many people out there that are struggling with different types of illnesses or um, maybe just not feeling overall balanced or healthy in their lives. And they were wondering, you know, how long does it take to actually feel a big change when it comes to health? How long did it take you? I mean, I think it's so different with everyone. I guess it's hard to give a kind of concise answer to that. For me, it took like best part of two, three years to kind of stabilize things and feel sort of normal as such I don't know if anyone can ever feel normal if that's a thing but but more like my old self and kind of actually more energized version of but um, I guess I was also starting from a very low base so I would presume most people would potentially have slightly quicker luck than I did Um, but it was definitely the most kind of worthwhile thing that I ever did and I think with some of these things in the world we live in especially with kind of online element of it I feel like we're all so used to everything happening immediately and it definitely for me was a kind of question of patience and relearning the way I thought about how things happened to kind of have the patience to keep going and keep trying and keep persevering and kind of see those slow incremental gains and also it would go up and then it would go down you know so you'd feel like you I, I definitely I think the bit that I find the most challenging was that I would feel that I was working really really hard at this and I was eating my broccoli and my quinoa and I was studying yoga and I was trying to do meditation I was kind of trying to do all these really positive things my doctor put me on an exercise program that I was doing and I was kind of completely dedicated to trying to get better and I would have a few days where I felt an improvement and then for no reason it appeared the next day I would feel so much worse again and be stuck in bed for a couple of days and my mom was always the one to remind me that kind of each the bad day that I was having at that point was better than the bad day I'd had two, three, six months beforehand. But at the same time, it kind of breaks your heart when you feel like you're trying so hard at something and that you're going backwards. And that was definitely, I think, from a personal perspective, one of the biggest challenges was trying to kind of find that new outlook of patience, which is probably not my biggest strong point. Hmm. And what did your doctors think? Because I'm assuming at some point you stopped taking all the medication and did they think that what you were doing was totally crazy or were they supportive of that from a medical standpoint? Um, I think to begin with they were they were thinking I was maybe mad, but at the same time 
they were they were really supportive of it and um and then after it I didn't come off my medication at all until I felt kind of stable to do so and that was um just over two years after I made a big change in my lifestyle and I'd worked really closely as well with a nutritionist who'd helped with certain areas that I was really struggling with, like my adrenals, um and my cortisol production and then my gut as a result of doing this kind of two and a half years on antibiotics and that was incredibly helpful as well. Of course, of course. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. Shopping for clothes can be so much fun, but shopping for a bra, nope. Thank you. I would much rather just go to yoga class instead. Well, what if you could skip all the hassle and find your perfect fitting bra in just minutes? Well, now with Third Love, you can. Just take Third Love's online fit finder quiz and you'll get an expertly recommended bra for your beautifully unique size and shape. Third Love is obsessed with finding everyone's perfect fit. That's why Third Love is the only lingerie brand with half cup sizes. I used to find bras so uncomfortable that I just stopped wearing them altogether. When I decided to try them out again, I quickly remember just how uncomfortable and unsupportive they can be. I didn't believe bras could be something that I would actually enjoy wearing. Well, thanks to Third Love, I am now a believer. Third Love has changed the industry. Using women's real measurements and super smoothing memory foam, Third Love creates bras that are right for your body and that feel amazing. There's a perfect bra for everyone. For those of you in the US, go to thirdlove.com slash heart and a few simple questions and just pay $2.99 for shipping and then Third Love's signature 24-7 bra is on its way. When your new favorite bra arrives, test it out. Cut the tags off, wash it, wear it through every activity on your schedule from morning to night. It's so comfortable you might even forget you are wearing it. If the bra is not your favorite after 30 days, return or exchange it for free. Go to thirdlove.com slash heart right now to find your perfect fitting bra and try it out for 30 days. That's thirdlove.com slash heart to try your new favorite bra for free. Thirdlove.com slash heart. Are you ready for spring? I sure am. Over here in Sweden, I make it my business to get outside and get some sunlight on my skin each and every day. But in the winter, that can be really hard and your body will feel the effect of that. Did you know that 97% of women ages 19 to 50 are not getting enough vitamin D from their diet? Luckily, Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus was shown to increase vitamin D levels by 43% in a clinical study. Ritual is a clinically backed multivitamin for women 18 plus with high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean bioavailable forms. You get nine key nutrients in two delayed release capsules per day that optimize your body's absorption. And the best part, you can trust what you are putting in your body because Ritual has the USP verified mark. That means that the product contains the ingredients actually listed on the label. And only 1% of supplement brands are able to get this mark. So it's a big deal. Rituals multivitamins are vegan, non-GMO project verified, gluten and major allergen free, certified B Corp and made traceable. I have taken Ritual for years because of reasons like this. I love knowing that the ingredients in my vitamins are actually doing their job. Otherwise, what's the point? No more shady business. Rituals Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month for a limited time at ritual.com slash yoga girl. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com slash yoga girl for 25% off. That's such a, it's such a huge life change. And it's really, it's really an amazing thing that you did this on your own. Because I struggle a lot with the facts that whenever we do go through illnesses or, or lows in our life, it's very rare to have a, a real life doctor say, okay, maybe you can heal this with your lifestyle or how you live. You know, I have a, yeah, a, one, one of my sisters. Yeah, they're not really, <laughs> I guess, you know, mo- mostly addressing the, the symptoms and, and maybe not the underlying cause of why illness happens the way it does. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest challenges is that, I, you know, everyone is a little bit different. And so, you know, for me, being plant-based has been an amazing thing, but I'm sure that's not right or connects to absolutely everybody. So kind of finding what it is for you. And I think as well with this kind of explosion of health and wellness, which is definitely something which I think is amazing. I think also sometimes we look at people and we're like, we're going to emulate exactly what they do. And that's not necessarily the exactly the right path for us. But it's instead a kind of great place of inspiration. And I know right. I had that. Like when I was first trying to make changes, I would come across people or kind of, 
ways of doing things and and I think oh okay well that's worked for them maybe I should do that and it was like all raw food and I was like I live in London it rains (laughs) every day (laughs) you know our local produce is carrots and potatoes it's not tropical mangoes like it's not this is not going to be I don't think the right thing for me it's way too cold for that but you but kind of for a week I was like I'm going to try this I'm going to try that and you kind of go through all of it and then after a while you think okay I've Take a bit of this, take a bit of that, inspiration from here, inspiration from there, and then I'm going to put that into my life. Yes, and I love that. It's, it's on your website as well. I was, I was browsing through it yesterday. Um, at the very top in the About page, it says, Deliciously Ella is all about celebrating what you can do with delicious plant-based ingredients. It's not about diet or deprivation. There is no one-size-fits-all, and everything I do can be adapted to suit you. Yeah, because so I perfect. meet people all the time that, that say like, oh, I love what you do. I'd love to do it, but like, I, I can't do it because I love pepperoni pizza. And it's like, that's okay. <laughs> you know, it's, it, you can still, you can have more broccoli and more lentils and more cauliflower and not have to give up everything that you have enjoyed previously in your life. It doesn't have to be black and white. And I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions with health is that people always try and put it into the diet box and that's where it goes so wrong. Yes, I have that struggle a lot, or my husband has that struggle a lot, because he loves the pepperoni pizza and chicken wings and ribs and all this, you know, all this stuff. Uh, And he's under the impression that if he were to really change his diet, he has to let everything go that he loves. So no more drinking beer and no more eating ice cream, no more this and that. Um, And I'm always trying to just encourage him to eat more greens or, you know, have a green juice once in a while or a salad with your stuff. I completely agree. Yeah, and I think it's a much better way to go about stuff. But it's also really hard. I have one of my sisters, is, she's 16, and she's always sick. For the last year, she's always coughing. She's always sniffling. She's always on antibiotics for something. And she just, you know, she eats so much dairy and meat and pizza and just the worst types of food. And I'm really trying to help her make just a little change to see if it will help. But it's not like nothing I say works. And I think the more I talk about other types of food, the bigger her aversion is to it. So it's like she wants to eat more yeah, crappy I food just to prove a point. I definitely found for the best, my like best way of doing it for people. Because when I told so many of my friends that this is what I was doing and this is what I was eating, they just looked at me like, what? What is that? <laughs> you know, and I like have a green smoothie and they're like, it looks like you're drinking a swamp. And so actually I was like, okay, I'm not going to talk to you about it anymore. I'm not going to say anything, but I'm going to invite you for dinner and I'm going to cook for you. And I realized that if I said to someone, oh, do you want to come over for a vegan, refined, sugar-free, wheat-free meal? No. I mean, that doesn't sound yummy. Like <laughs> that sounds like you've taken everything out and not put in anything. And like, who is, like, honestly, like, I think it's fair to say like not many people would be kind of like jumping up and down for that. But if I said to them like, do you want to come over and I'm going to make us a coconut cauliflower curry and I've sauteed garlic and onion and celery with mustard seeds and turmeric and cumin seeds and paprika and cayenne pepper and then we've cooked it in coconut milk with cauliflower and potatoes and and we've wilted in spinach and spicy chickpeas and then we're going to serve it with a miso rice and I've got a hot like cinnamon maple apple crumble do you want to come for dinner they'd be like Yum. I want to come for dinner. (laughs) Yeah, well, you should come for dinner. But that's the difference, I think, is like you have to... You have to celebrate it and say, like, these ingredients are delicious because we've cooked them with these spices and we've added this and we've done this. And sell it as something that's so yummy. Whereas as soon as you say, like, oh, it's, yeah, boiled broccoli for dinner, people are like, okay, I'm not going to do that. No, that's such a, such a, yeah, going about it with positivity and love. And I'm really certain that that's why, I mean, that's has to be the foundation of, of, of your success because you're, I was talking to one of my friends uh, yesterday. She's a, a chef. She lives in Sweden. And I said, oh, I have Deliciously Ella on the show. And her first thing that she said, she said, oh, she seems like she's the kindest person. Like, that's just, that's the first thing she said. Not about the food, but she's like, she seems so kind. And I really think that when you look through your platforms, like you really have this very um, welcoming feeling. It's really, it really feels like everyone is welcome. There's no judgment here at all. And it's a really refreshing thing to have, especially yeah, in the social media world. That's so important to me because like 
fundamentally, obviously, you know, it's great to take care of our planet and kind of be ethical and our decision making and all the rest of it. But also at the same time, like I think there's an element of being understanding of what's possible and what works for people. And so to me, I think the whole thing that has to change is the mindset. Like I always say to people, if you went onto the street right now and you went up to like a 14-year-old kid and you said, is pizza cool or fries cool? They would all say yes. But if you said is broccoli cool, a lentil cool? They, I'm pretty sure everyone would say no. And so my, my big belief is we have to change the way that people see the broccoli, the lentils, and elevate that to that of the pizza and the chips. I'm not saying that you shouldn't ever eat those again, but that you need to also eat broccoli because fundamentally we know we need to eat more vegetables. It's really good for our bodies and we don't do enough of it. You know, I know in the UK, only 27% of the country say they get their five portions of fruit and vegetables a day. And that's because mostly it's not very yummy. So we've got to change that perception. But to do that, it has to be something that works for everybody's life and isn't a kind of regimented diet with rules where people think, well, I can't do that because I'd have to do everything. And instead, it needs to be something that I always say, like, if as a vegan who cooks our meals three times a day, every single day. I'm so happy that we can be a helpful resource for them. I'm so happy we can give them great ideas of things that they could make. But equally, if someone is the biggest burger lover in the world and we get them eating broccoli for the, and excited about that broccoli dish for the first time, that to me in some senses is a bigger win because I, I want to change people's perceptions of it. I want to get people excited about it. You are listening to From the Heart, Conversations with Yoga Girl. As a new parent, it's easy to be overwhelmed with all things baby and the never-ending concerns about what's safe and healthy for your little one. That's why I'm so excited to introduce you to The Tot. They have done the research for us. Each product they offer has been carefully researched and tested to ensure it meets the highest standards for safety, quality, and style. Every item given the Tot tested stamp of approval. I love the expert articles and Tot tested items I find on The Tot that help me with all new parenting moments that I'm discovering every day. Having these resources all in one place and at my fingertips is beyond helpful. The Tot is the premier online destination for all things baby, whether you're a parent yourself looking for safe, non-toxic, and hard-to-find products for your Tot, or if you're shopping for conscious parents and their little ones this holiday. Go to thetot.com and find Tot-tested unique toys, quality children's clothing and maternity wear, nursery decor, and an amazing gift selection. On top of becoming the go-to sites for smart parents and caregivers, the Tot now ships worldwide to over 200 countries. Since I often split my time between Aruba and Sweden, this news is super exciting. Go to thetot.com today for 10% off of your first purchase with the promo code yogagirl. That's thetot.com promo code yogagirl for 10% off. thetot.com promo code yogagirl. But one of the hardest things I think is that it's not accessible everywhere. And I think that was because I was vegan for a long time and it was so easy. I was living in, in, in Costa Rica and I had an abundance of tropical fruits and organic foods and everywhere was like a little organic vegetarian cafe. It was so easy. I never had to think about it. And then when I moved to Aruba, which at the time, so this was almost yeah, seven or eight years ago, uh, there's only fast food here, fast food and expensive restaurants. Then we did, there was no kale or spinach or any type of greens in the grocery stores at all. No farmer's markets, nothing grows here. So I think within a year of living here, I had transitioned back to dairy, like a little bit at a time because I felt like I, I would kind of have the excuse like, oh, you know, there's nothing for me to eat. But I think I lost the natural passion for it. Like I, I felt disconnected all of a sudden to what I was eating because um, I, I lost the community and I lost um, just the energy around it. And then, you know, I had years of just eating dairy feeling kind of crappy <laughs> but telling myself like oh but it's okay I drink wine and I also eat you know sweets so eating dairy for me is like something I know is bad but I do it consciously at least so I mean you need that accessibility and the community around it at least I mean for me it's a really important piece and not everybody has that option definitely and I think that's where that's where social media is amazing because it can connect you with a community all over the world where you can get ideas and inspiration Right. But what would you say to someone who maybe does, because I know you're trying to change that and you are changing that, especially in the UK with um, accessibility and how healthier foods and healthy foods are available. But for someone that maybe lives in a place where they don't have, uh, they don't have access, you know, if there's not that easy way to, to if it's, maybe it's easier to go and grab a slice of pizza for lunch than it is to, to grab a healthy salad. What would your best advice be for someone who is in that space where they feel like they're really alone? 
Yeah, so I mean, I think the first thing is like you have to do what what works for you and like what's reasonable for your lifestyle and and kind of not feel guilty about that. And I think that's really, really important. Like we all have times where we're traveling, we're not somewhere we're familiar with, we don't necessarily have the options we want and and that's okay. And I think when you start kind of beating yourself up for that, that's when healthy becomes too complicated because you start having these feelings of guilt and those don't belong in the room at all. But at the same time, I think sometimes there is a mindset shift that we also kind of need because so much of those things are about habit. And and I do think sometimes like being making a healthier choice is often something that requires a little bit more time and a little bit more effort. And but at the same time, it doesn't have to be massive. So. You know, I like to focus on kind of more kind of simple, easy to get ingredients. When I first started doing this, I was kind of inspired by that whole world of kind of superfoods and powders and things like that. And then I started working really hard and working like 14, 15 hour days where I didn't have time to get lunch. And I was like, oh my God, healthy is not out spirulina and chia seeds. You can add those in and that's great. But if you think that you have to have adaptogenic mushrooms to be healthy, then we're in real trouble because those are not easily accessible. Most people do not know what to do with those, where to get them. They're expensive, et cetera. And that's why, to me, it became so much more about celebrating kind of local ingredients and easy things like beans and chickpeas. And so like often when, when I'm working and I have really intense weeks, like I'll go home and I'll make a chickpea chili or something and I'll saute up garlic and celery, chuck in all my herbs and spices, mustard seeds, things like that, and then cook my chickpeas with a spicy tomato sauce for half an hour or so. It's one pan. You don't have to chop anything apart from some celery and garlic. It takes two minutes. You put the lid on it, all cooks in one pan. You stir in some spinach at the end, let it cool, and then freeze it. Obviously, eat it <laughs> at the time, but then make, you can make double the batch, and the only effort you have to do to make twice the amount is to ch- chop a little bit more celery, a little bit more garlic, you know, put in an extra teaspoon. Like, it's so, so easy. And you could make 10 portions of that, which go into your freezer, or you take for work to lunch. Um, for work and things like that and so I do think there are kind of easy little add-ons like that that we we can do that do make if we want to make a healthier choice a little bit easier definitely definitely and I think um, you know preparing your food actually requires that you think about what you eat and we are so accustomed to this idea of you know grabbing whatever is on the go in the moment and then what's accessible is usually the lesser healthy version but I think having that community around is so important and having people that inspire you to make those choices as well. Um, one of the questions I got yesterday was from someone who said, oh, it was so funny how she asked it. She said, Ella must have nights where she just eats toast. <laughs> is it true? Definitely. <laughs> Do you have- <laughs> Everyone does. Um, so would you say, what's favorite, your laziest like, meal? Laziest meal. My In the summer, my best thing is sorting um, cherry tomatoes with olive oil, loads of sea salt, and that on sourdough toast. That's like my best thing. So quick, so easy. Tomatoes are so good when they're in season. And I eat a lot, a lot of that and peanut butter toast as well. I mean, I think that's the other thing is because you see so many things through Instagram and Instagram is always so shiny. You're like, oh, they must cook five course meal for every meal. And obviously not, you know, everything is not of kind of no one lives in an Instagram bubble. Um, not at all. And I definitely have a lot. Of, or I eat porridge for dinner. You know, just oats, almond milk, all the almond butter, banana. And again, it takes three minutes. Oh, my God. You're making me so hungry right now. <laughs> so, I mean, what was the... Because, I mean, of course, along the way, all of this really exploded for you. And you now have... Um, millions of people that follow you and read the blog and follow on on social media and buying the books and and all of this. Um, What's been the biggest challenge, you think, taking this from a very personal journey and and, and making it into this big um, business and and a brand, which is what it is today? Um, I've got so many things. I mean, there's the kind of the practical side of like keeping the lights on and not running out of money when not being screwed over by investors and all the rest of it, which we've had, you know, like any small business have had all our kind of massive run-ins with and kind of moments of panic. But I think on a kind of personal level, which is, I guess, completely fitting for your your podcast, is that I think it 
has been that sense of vulnerability that comes with putting yourself out there into the world. I mean, because I never meant to do what I've ended up doing with Delicious Yellow initially. It was all a very, very personal journey and I was sharing it to kind of inspire myself. And then there was this great community that started around it, but it was really me just talking to the community and and that was that really. But then when my first book came out and the press picked up on it, it kind of exploded. And then suddenly people start talking about you rather than to you. And that was a very, very strange realization. And at that point, you're kind of talking to a much wider audience, some of which have no interest whatsoever in healthy food or plant-based food. The whole thing's ridiculous for a hundred different reasons. And suddenly you're out there and people have tons of opinions on you without having met you or actually even read anything you've ever written. And that's a kind of quite terrifying thing and I was really young when that happened I was 22 no 23 and um, when that was all kind of exploding and I'd basically spent the last couple of years on my own because I I was still kind of recovering from my illness and I was still I think in many ways physically getting better happened a lot quicker for me than mentally my self-esteem and kind of views on my self-worth had got so low during that period I felt so pointless so useless and had such a negative view of myself. And so to kind of get that back up to something where you could suddenly stand up in a room full of people and say, like, I'm Alice, this is what I believe, and and not mind that people don't like you and not mind that people are criticizing you, it was, that was a kind of, I mean, it's still something I'm working on. I'm sure that's something that people work on forever, but that was definitely my biggest, biggest challenge. And I think specifically in the in the UK, I feel like the UK and the US are like a different world when it comes to press and, and media. There's so much, everything is kind of, you know, sensationalized or there's a little bit of drama to find from, from anything. Yeah, um, always. Always. I mean, really, in the, in the UK, I've had really weird articles written about myself in like UK um, magazines that yeah, are just no, totally... so weird. You know, we had one where... Um, I had been traveling a lot for work and um, my book had come out in lots of different countries and I'd been in all around Europe really um, in different places with doing media for that. And then I was exhausted and so Matt and I decided to take a week's holiday. And I, the Daily Mail wrote an article about how we were bad parents to our dog because they no. counted up all the days that they'd seen that I had been away via social media. And The dog is co-owned no. by me and Matt. So I had been away working and the dog had been at home with his dad and so so beautifully looked after. And then when we went away for a week, he was staying at my mom who has a dog the same age, the same breed, who is best friends with him, who lives down the road. He was in great hands. He's the most pampered dog on earth. Like that's one thing no one ever needs to worry about. And I just remember sitting there reading it, just being like, okay, so now I'm like... A bad person because I don't love my pet. <laughs> sort of, How is this kind of news? <laughs> I know, I know. And it was just kind of, and there was another one we, in earlier this year, um, Matt, my husband's mom, got very ill and she was diagnosed with brain cancer. And we'd been in hospital for kind of two weeks. We had a big surgery and it had been this kind of unbelievably traumatic time. Oh, anyway, so my birthday had been... Um, oh, well, thank, thank you. But my, I, I'd had my birthday in the middle of this. And the guys in the office had posted on our social media page a picture of me from our wedding with a big cake being like, happy birthday, Ella. And again, this story was picked up in the press about how I had poisonous flowers on my cake, which I did not have. The stems are poisonous, not the petals. Anyway, and there was this whole article about how I tried to poison my wedding guests. And I just remember sitting What? there in the hospital just being like, oh, my God. Are you joking? Has a whole like thing on Twitter, like delicious yellow, so not so natural after all. <laughs> just like, oh my god! Oh my god! You're just like seriously priorities in my life right now. <laughs> like, I didn't try and kill my friends. It's a year later; they're all alive. Everyone survived. No one died. It's fine. <laughs> Everyone in the wedding is still alive. Oh yeah, my god! Exactly. Oh. But that's where you just have to go like, okay, you know, like there's, there's important things for me to focus on here and bring my energy toward like, this is just not, not one of them. Exactly. And I think that's when it comes to like dividing. I mean, I've, one thing I've tried to learn is like 
dividing criticism into two. And the first is constructive criticism, which is always helpful when people say, you know, I don't think, I think that's too spicy or I tried this and I found that hard to understand or, you know, anything like that, which obviously, you know, criticism is never your favorite thing to hear. It's great when you hear someone loves something, but at the same time, like that makes you better and it makes sure you triple check everything. And, and I think you learn a lot from that, but then you have criticism like that or like when people start commenting and I'm, I'm sure you, you have 3000 stories of the same thing where people start commenting on your pictures and they're like, you've put on weight, you've lost weight, your voice is annoying and, you know, it goes all around and you, or you try and kill your wedding guests or someone emailing <laughs> in being like, you're getting married too fast. Your marriage isn't going to last you're making a massive mistake or oh thank else. you <laughs> and I work together and I write our newsletters and I signed a newsletter love Matt Ella and the delicious yellow team and I had this email from someone saying you know I used to really respect you um, as a female entrepreneur and then I got your newsletter today and it broke my heart because suddenly there's Matt with his name first and I was like Oh, oh my God! Uh, you know, I it's such a it. reflection. I, just it sounded uh, better. I thought Matt and Ella sounded better than Ella and Matt in this context. It didn't mean anything. Oh my God! But that's the thing. So if you, like if you listen to everything, yeah, I mean, you just go crazy. You are listening to From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. Capturing photos of those most precious life moments means everything. And these days, it's only getting easier to do so. If you've listened to my podcast before, you've heard me talk about my favorite photo framing solution, FrameBridge. With FrameBridge, it's super easy and affordable to custom frame your favorite art prints, posters, and the photos on your phone. Simply go to framebridge.com and upload your photo from your computer or even directly from Instagram. If you have a physical photo or artwork, they provide secure prepaid packaging so you can mail it in for free. Preview your photo online in your selected frame style or get free help from their talented designers and then wait just days not weeks for the expert team to frame and deliver your finished piece right to your door ready to hang instead of the hundreds that you'll pay at a framing store prices at framebridge start at 39 dollars, and all shipping is free plus all from the heart listeners will get 15 percent off of their first order when you use the promo code yoga girl framebridge even offers a happiness guarantee if you aren't 100 satisfied with your order they will make it right I love placing sentimental art and photos around my own house. It can turn my whole day around when I look up and I see the photo of my baby girl laughing right next to my dog or the surreal moment I had after my husband proposed in Hawaii. With FrameBridge, our home is now filled with even more of my absolute favorite memories. Well, you can take your special memories out of your phone and onto your wall with FrameBridge. One of a kind is on everyone's list. Get started framing your photos and art today. Go to framebridge.com and use the promo code yoga girl and you'll save an additional 15% off of your first order. Just go to framebridge.com promo code yoga girl framebridge.com promo code yoga girl. I think my, my biggest struggle right now, and it used to be, but I mean, years ago, back in the, in the, in the early Instagram yoga days, because then what I was doing was a little bit controversial and uh, it wasn't really accepted to mix yoga with, with social media and no one was really doing that then. So I got so much, I had a, a really hard time back then. But now uh, the hardest thing is, is motherhood and mothers online criticizing I other mothers. I can't even I, begin to imagine. I didn't know that this was a thing. Like I had no clue that it was a thing. So even before I had the baby, I would post like a picture of, oh, here's the crib. We're excited. And then I would get, you know, 4,000 comments about the fact that I'm going to kill my baby or suffocate my baby because there is a blanket there. And I'm like, the baby is not born yet. <laughs> like, uh, baby's still in yeah, my I'm belly. It look pretty. Hold the picture. <laughs> like, come on. You know, there was like a bunny in there. had like a little stuffed animal. They're like, oh, my God, your baby's going to die. And I'm just like, okay. Oh, my God. <laughs> and I have to think crazy. about that every day now because I really don't want to start that fire of drama anymore like I and I didn't used to think about it that way but there's something about specifically moms and babies that make people totally totally crazy so I I actually think about that more now than I ever did in a yoga context that I'm a little more mindful about what I post and sometimes I give little disclaimers like p.s my baby's alive and well (laughs) (laughs) here's a picture of her smiling here's a picture of her smiling like we're all okay but yeah it's really hard but it's also just a distraction I find yeah Completely. I mean, if you know what you want to do and what you want to create in life, I think there's uh, a really important part of that is keeping your eyes on the ball and focusing on what it is that you're looking to create with good intentions. And then everything else is just kind of noise and, and lessons, hopefully. 
I completely agree. I think there's, I, I, that's the ultimate lesson. I think I've had kind of one, I've only ever had sort of a couple of moments where it got so bad that I'm like, I can't do it. I'm When we opened, when we were opening the first deli, Matt and I were so torn because everything I had always done in the way I ate was plant-based and it was all vegan, but the way Matt ate wasn't. And one of the whole things we found was that it was really hard to find places that made it feel accessible and welcome to everybody. Because not, you know, I'd say, oh, Matt, let's go to this vegan restaurant. And he'd say, no, <laughs> I don't want a vegan meal. And um, and he'd say, let's go here. And I'd say, no, I don't want that because I, I want a vegan meal. It doesn't have good options. And so we decided initially, and we have actually changed it since then, but initially decided that we would um, do all vegan menu and then as optional sides, as add-ons, we would have organic salmon and organic chicken because we felt like that would maybe open it up to a wider audience and get people coming in and trying the broccoli and trying the dal and trying everything and being like, wow, this is delicious. Maybe I could have a meal with this. And we got hate mail like you wouldn't believe. Oh, my God. I mean, we had like two weeks of just never-ending hate mail of people saying, I'm going to come and kill your dog. How would you no. then feel about that? understand how that makes everyone else feel by the fact that you're doing this and it's so frustrating because you just think okay but we're trying to open this up to a wider audience we're trying to get people to think vegan food is yummy and this seems like a way to get people through the door and people won't necessarily even try a bite of it if they feel like it's too alien for them and after about 18 months as plant-based and vegan became more accessible we took it off the menu but to begin with, I think it was still so new in London. It was so unfamiliar. Vegan was a kind of quite shunned word. And it definitely felt like the right thing to get people just open, more open-minded to this kind of food. But it was just unbelievable. The reaction people had that was so angry at us. And I was like, it's organic. We're really trying to source it from the best, most ethical thing we can. Like, you don't need to have it. We just want people to feel like they're welcome here. Right. It's, and it's such a, it's such an emotional thing. And I think that's also a big reason why, uh, yeah, veganism is a shunned word and people have that aversion to it. Um, and I mean, you speak more about plant-based and, and healthy foods and delicious foods. I don't think you, you don't use the vegan, the word vegan that much, I'm sure for those reasons. Um, yeah, and it's just, it I makes it, it more accessible. something that everyone can tap into. And I guess not everybody is ready to be a vegan and I want to respect that decision of theirs and encourage them just to try more plant-based foods. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, yeah, you, 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 you do what you have to do to reach, the, to reach the most people and it's such a, you do such amazing work in the world. But that's the sad part about this, this end and I had a lot of these conversations as well. Uh, I was nervous about even sharing, like, okay, I'm going to be vegan again now because I know what if I would what if I would fall off the wagon? What if I would, you know, two months from now uh, decide to stray back to something else? I would get that hate mail. Like I'm 100% certain because people are so emotionally yeah, no, attached. I'm sure. And that's where it becomes so challenging because ultimately, like, I do think we have to kind of respect everyone's individual decisions to, to do what's right for them. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, to not alienate. And I mean, I try to do that with yoga and, and that was also a hard thing for me in the beginning because I decided, okay, I'm, I'm actually, you know, in the beginning I was trying to make it look as if I was this perfect, you know, pure, healthy person that just does yoga and drinks green smoothies and that's my whole life. Uh, and then when I realized pretty early on that I, I, you know, I wanted to be myself in every way and that meant sharing that I also drink wine and, you know, sometimes I'll go dancing and have a shot of tequila and, you know, I can still be a yoga teacher, I can still practice yoga I can still lead a spiritual lifestyle um, and be relatable and normal and drink wine and that was not you know, I very think that's well one received of the in the beginning this image affection that everybody feels like they have to have in their life and it's it's a, such an intangible impossible thing yes to be perfect and I think that's why people then think that they right and then they think oh I could never start a yoga, I could never try a yoga class because I'm not that person or I could never exactly. you know, eat more plant-based food because I'm not that person. Right, and I can't do, go to a yoga class because I can't, you know, I remember one of the first yoga classes that I went to and there were people that are doing like handstands into wheels into this and I was like, I cannot do that and kind of trying to get yourself back into that mindset of like, that doesn't matter. <laughs> like try and reach your toes. <laughs> <laughs> try and touch your toes start. now. And yeah. you know, I've been practicing now for five years and suddenly like now you're at the stage where like actually you can start doing all those inversions and those fun stuff, but it it 
yoga still means the same thing today as it did then, but it's that idea that like of perfection that I think scares people off so much because they think, oh, well, I won't look like the person on Instagram all the time. And I guess that relates to the toast question, like, does Ella ever eat toast at dinner? And it's like, yeah, of course, like <laughs> I am a human, like a fully fledged human. You know, I am not simply an Instagram profile. Exactly, exactly. And I mean, that's one of the... Uh, making it accessible, I think, in the way that you do. And I hope the way that I do it in, in yoga is just it brings more people to the lifestyle. And I guess I think in the end, that's the that's the point, you know, to make this really exactly, inviting and welcoming. That's exactly the point. And it was so interesting when we launched our products initially, Starbucks, for our second customer. And we had lots of people, again, write in and say they were so unhappy about it because they don't take, pay their taxes properly and all the rest of it. And which, you know, and that they're not that vegan friendly and all the rest of it, which again, like I completely understand, but at the same time, you know, my response was like, but I, we're creating this to make finding natural plant-based options accessible, available in the mainstream. It's amazing to be in Whole Foods. They're an incredible brand, massive respect for that kind of brand. But at the same time, they don't need us. God knows how many other amazing products they have in there that tick those boxes. Everybody who's walking into a Whole Foods is already having a connection with that kind of more natural lifestyle. But in Starbucks, it was the first thing on the till in the UK that was anywhere near. Like it was the first kind of vegan thing. It was the first thing that didn't have so many additives and refined sugars and things like that. So for us, that was the ultimate success to bring something which is so different to the previous offering to the forefront. And that, that's, I think, where you get challenged because people want this kind of completely ideal world, but a completely ideal world isn't going to change anything for most people. No, I mean, and how exciting is that? Like, if walking into a Starbucks and knowing that there is a plant-based option, like, to snack on yeah. with your coffee? Exactly. Like that's To just... me, that was the, <laughs> the biggest, biggest piece of pride. Yeah, you know, getting it into the more mainstream is where I feel like, that's the biggest win because that's so exciting to see people become receptive to that and have that option available to people which wasn't previously there exactly exactly so I mean you have so much going on now I mean a line of food products and delis and a beauty line and books and the app and the blog and what's what's the future for you do you already know what the future has in store so hard to say to be honest because everything's changed so much in the last couple of years like I you know in so many ways like a with my health like it's so stable now more than I could have ever imagined which is incredible because it opens up so much possibility of what I can do and at the same time like if you'd asked me if I'd ever run a business I'd say not in a million years like I'd be the last person I would have thought to to do what I do in that sense like we have 70 people so on our payroll now I mean that's like Right, terrifying, but Incredible. also unbelievably unexpected. And um, so I guess I just want to keep going. I mean, for me, I, I have two aims. Like on a personal level, I really, really feel passionately about trying to change people's perception of healthy plant-based food. And, you know, I, I guess on the surface, on Instagram and everything, it's all very positive and celebratory. And, and to me, that's the right approach. But at the same time, when you get underneath it, like I think there is a serious message. And, you know, the UK, there was a study yesterday saying the UK has the highest obesity levels in Western Europe. And, um, you know, as I said, only, only about a quarter of the population eats their five portions of fruit or vegetables a day. And, you know, we're not, you know, we're spending millions on lifestyle-related diseases. Like, we're not in a great place with our health, and something does have to change. And to do that, we have to be more excited about eating some more plants. No one has to do anything exclusively, but we do have to have a mindset, a mindset shift. And so I feel really passionately about making those resources and tools available for people as and when they want to tap into them. And so continuing to kind of share tons of content, tons of ideas, make it uplifting, make it positive. That's my big focus. And then from a business perspective, I, I want to keep growing Delicious Yellow and I really want to make it I want to make it a massive company because I want to show people that you can do things on a big scale that's still socially responsible and um, positive both for, for us, for the planet. I'm working at the moment on transitioning everything that we have to plastic-free, um, which is going to be a massive project. But, but it's really exciting, and I, I hope we can kind of use it to show people that there are other ways of doing things. 
What an amazing, amazing vision for the for the future. I can't wait to to tag along and hopefully see you in London and have and have dinner sometime soon. Definitely, absolutely, that would be the best. Mm, thank you so much for inspiring all of us and for coming on the show. My pleasure. Thank you so 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 much for having me. Give Austin and Matt a hug from me and all of my friends. I will. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> thank you. A huge thanks to my guest, Ella Mills. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure to listen and subscribe to other great episodes of From the Heart Conversations with Yoga Girl. You can find all of these on rachelbraithen.com, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or anywhere you normally get your podcasts. Don't forget to leave a review while you are there. Thanks to the folks at Cadence 13 for their production work. And of course, thanks to my sponsors, Bon Appetit, Third Love, The Tot, and Framebridge. Please support them the way they support this podcast. I'll see you next week.